0: hi i'm jeremy lent i'm an author and integrator and i'm author of the patterning instinct and an upcoming book called the web of meaning integrating science and traditional wisdom to find our place in the universe and today on the show we're going to be talking about some of the ways in which our modern civilization is destroying the well-being of humans and the whole natural world and how we can get off this hedonic treadmill that is driving us on. And we're going to look at some of the deeper questions of consciousness, meaning and the things that really connect us with what is truly meaningful in life.
1: Here's what I'm constantly curious about. The microcosm of the macrocosm, the patterns of the vast universe that are found in the microscopically small. And people are curious about how we create meaning for our reality. And whether that meaning takes us into the depths of delicious exploration or into a series of coping mechanisms that simply transport us from one day to the next until we die. I'm your host, Dov Baron. You find out more about me and how you can hire me as a speaker, strategist, or executive advisor for you or your organization by simply going to dovbaron.com. That's D-O-V-B-A-R-O-N.com. This episode of curiosity bites is brought to you in part by the awesome music project connecting music science and story to enhance mental health you can find out more about the awesome music project and the amp foundation at theawesomemusicproject.com all right let's jump down on this delicious episode off air i've often described my guests here on this show as my tribe of fellow freaks that is a compliment We are all people who have a way of looking at the world that most people don't even consider, usually until they have to. I find today's guest to be truly fascinating. He's an individual who looks, when we first met, it was really clear that he looks at the world with a deep curiosity, exploring the reality from a very unique point of view. Moreover, Jeremy Lent has gone way beyond that. Jeremy Lent refers to himself as an author, an interrogator. (laughs) Um, I promise that you and I are both going to learn a lot from this brilliant man's insights. He writes about underlying patterns of meaning in history that have led our current civilization to a crisis of instability. His book... The Petting Instinct, which came out in 2017, is a cultural history of humanity looking at the different ways societies have constructed meaning about the universe. His upcoming book, The Web of Meaning, integrating science and traditional wisdom to find our place in the universe. It will offer an um, an integrated worldview that Jeremy says could allow humanity to thrive sustainably on a healthy planet, for an indefinite future. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and help me welcome the author of the Paddy Instinct and the Love of Mr. Jeremy Love. Well,
0: yeah, how does thank you so much for that intro. I don't think I've ever been introduced to uh Spark quite with that level no, of. No, see,
1: you probably speak to really academic people. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let's <laughs> welcome Jeremy lind <Lent. laughs> So I'm glad you're here, mate. Thank you so much. I've really been looking forward to this conversation. This is fabulous. And where I always like to start the show is to ask you, my guest, what do you presently find yourself most curious
0: about, presently, in this moment? (laughs) Well, I think probably, honestly, what I'm most curious about in my own life, and my own sort of way of working with what's going on out there in the world, is how to respond to what I see is desperately frightening trajectories for where our world is headed um, Mm -hmm. in a way that is both authentic to feel into um, the, the fear and the pain and the suffering, and which is also, which allows me to Actually, be resilient in myself and not suffer too much internally, and to engage in the world in a way that is most uh, positive to help to make that trajectory move forward. So, I'm sure these will be things that we'll talk about in the next couple of hours. Course. But my, this is what I'm I'm I work on every day of my life, basically. in Recent times.
1: Yeah, uh, I think that most people. I mean, it's one of the reasons that I wanted to put this show together is that I. I, I believe with every fiber of my being that curiosity is the cure. Um, and it's we we really have to focus on how we can be more curious about the people we disagree with and, and understand and look at the world in a bigger, different way. Uh, we seem to be coming more sort of laser focused in on our own little tribes rather than becoming expansive. And so I love that that, that that's where your focus is. Uh, One of the things that I believe it's part of my philosophy, it's not the truth, it's my philosophy. I believe that dragons are forged in fire. Now, if anybody who knows me knows I'm not talking about actual dragons, I'm talking about what I call dragon leaders. Um, And when I say forged in fire, it means that there's an experience, there's something that transforms us, uh, transmutes us into something different than what we were before. And I wanna start here because you you seem to have gone through that transformation. You founded the world's first online credit card issuer, uh, which you took public and became the CEO of. Shortly after the, the company's IPO, uh, your bride developed early symptoms of very serious illness which led to her death. Mm-hmm. And then you left your executive role to care for her full time. Within a couple of years, um, the dot bomb thing happened. Um, your wife suffered cognitive decline, and you felt—I believe—felt pretty isolated. Um, at that time, it's when you it seems you made that promise to look at life and discover what was the true meaning of it. Can you talk to us about that? About that? Because I realize that that's a hard place to start, but I think it's really important that people recognize this in their own lives. Mm particularly in the face of
0: crisis. I think that's absolutely true. And yeah, when, when you were saying about the notion of dragons being fortune in fire, the first place I went in my own mind was to that own story of my own life. And Mm. for me, it really felt like that. It really felt like I was in a crucible um, where things were melting down and I I had, it was both terrifying and I had the opportunity to remold them in a different kind of way. And mm-hmm. just to sort of add a little bit more detail to uh, the story that you told very clearly and succinctly, thank you for that. But um, yeah, I basically spent the first half of my life uh, going down th- this path where I, um, I, I, I was married at quite a young age, um, everything's, I, I was building my life around a certain way Mm-hmm. And it did get to this point of, you know, um, feeling very successful, starting a company. Uh, but then when things crashed, they really felt like they crashed. So it was like th- there I was with the one person I would really felt the sense of love and connection with in my life, basically not there anymore. As she was uh, suffering this kind of cognitive decline, I, I spent years looking after her Um with love and at the same time I was no longer in relation with that person in any sort of deep way that I could, um, you know, that, that could feel cognitively sort of alive. And the, the friends I built at that time, they just sort of uh, moved in different, in different directions. This company I, was, I spent years dealing with the aftermath of this collapse, I felt like, it's really like as if I'd sort of built a bell jar around me and that mm-hmm. bell jar had shattered. So here I was. What do I do? And the thing is, I vowed to myself. I realized I was young enough in my life. It wasn't like this was not by any means the end of my life. This was really a a turning point in my life. Can I ask you how old you were at that point, Jeremy? um, Yeah, basically it was around. I was around forty. Young man. Yeah. I I mean, I'd I'd been quite successful at a quite a young age. So it was really clear, like, hey, this is like part two of my life is really about to begin, my adult life, and. I vouched to myself that whatever I did in my life going forward would be truly meaningful to me. That mm. was the key. And uh, I, I I, said, wanna, uh, years later, I want to look back and not say, oh, I took another wrong direction. I, you know, oh, I wish I had sort of not listened to what this authority figure or that authority figure told me. And so then the question began, what is meaning? If mm. I want to do what's meaningful, what is meaning? And I started basically, and to your point about curiosity, this was intense curiosity. I felt like I wanted to put the pieces together of meaning, and I didn't want to take anything for granted. So anything that our uh, our mainstream culture told us, uh, I wanted to, to your word, interrogate. And I would say, by the way, I love the way you said interrogator and author. I actually, what I actually have on my website is integrator. And author but i love the play on the way because in those days i wasn't integrating i was interrogating um, <laughs> yeah. and i really wanted to know what was actually so every concept we have like the soul or um, uh, th- the way that the society works best or reason versus emotion or even and i wanted to question these things and, and peel the onion and every time i'd peel the onion there was another layer that I recognized needed to be peeled to go further back. So I went back in time, mm-hmm. all the way from um, modern times to sort of history to then prehistory. And, and I went uh, across in terms of cultures. So looking beyond our dominant mainstream Western culture, finding what the roots were of that, but then discovering there are these other cultures like indigenous culture or East Asian culture, totally different foundations. And what did that mean? Mm -hmm. But I also um, went, interrogated science, and discovered that a lot of what we take of as uh, sort of God-given truths in science are actually themselves a particular lens that can be seen in different ways. So I discovered this about science, and then went back into the mind. So uh, then went into psychology and cognitive science, And then what's really interesting is you go back far enough in time to prehistory and the development of humans, that sort of meets with cognitive science, like how our minds work, Mm -hmm. because then these questions are, what makes us unique as human beings? Uh, Where 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 are we different from other mammals around us? Where are we similar? And so cognitive science merges into something called cognitive anthropology, looking at the deep... Uh, roots basically of human evolution and that's actually where i after all that years of sort of putting this jigsaw puzzle together every time there'd be a piece missing I'd say what about that well h- how about ancient Egypt where does that fit in or where mm-hmm. does Mesopotamia fit in or where does and as I put it all together I began to realize that what we have as humans and that makes us unique among other mammals is what i call the patterning instinct that right. we actually have an instinct to patent meaning into the world in a way far more ex- more extreme than any other mammal does and and that ended up being the title of my um the book i published some years back the patterning instinct.
1: fascinating you know but you said something uh, I mean, this is a lot of time back then we'll we'll spend a couple of hours doing that however you said something very early on that i think is really important for everybody to get Right out, right out of the gate, and that is, you know, when your wife passed, you know, the, up until that point, your life had meaning. I mean, this is one of the things that, you know, we talk about the search for meaning, and we talk about, you know, I'm very much about that journey, and what I call the heroic journey, but at the same time, everybody's life has meaning, And this is one of the things that I think people forget. They think that it's philosophical and, you know, but you've already operating out of a set of meanings. The question is what meaning are you operating out of and what happens when the, the tsunami of fate, let's call it that for a minute, comes along and washes the meaning away Mm. that you've had, which is what happened with you because you, you built a successful, um, you know, the online company or the company that was working with the, with the online platforms, you've married, you
0: know, how long were you married? Oh, well, I ended up um, actually 30 years uh, from when I when we married to when my wife passed away so you were married a long ago.
1: time mm-hmm. so there's an entire mm-hmm. meaning there you've built meaning in creating a business yeah you're following quote the American dream you even mm-hmm. though we're both pommies. right uh, but you you know you've built the American dream you've created a company you know you've taken it to this dot com world that's this emerging world you've probably got a nice house nice car and all the goodies mm-hmm. and suddenly that meaning is crushed. And this is what I'm saying about the dragon fire. It burns it up and you've got to reevaluate. But here's right. one of the things that I find, Jeremy, you know, talking about in the context of meaning is that people are addicted to their own subjective meaning. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that when Humpty Dumpty falls off the wall, they run around looking for super glue. Mm-hmm. And I, I, literally, as I literally fell off the wall, I fell off a mountain and got smashed up, mm. I know you can't glue it back together. You know you can't bring your wife back, not mm-hmm. oh, without well, some freaky Frankenstein exper- experience. So it's that moment like when was that moment for you? When was that moment of realizing that meaning's done? I mean not just uh, conceptually, but you actually yeah. Oh shit, this it's it's done. I can't go back there.
0: Yeah. <coughs> yeah, that's really great uh, question to ask. I I think before that moment, <clears throat> where there was this sense of this whooshing, gushing, falling feeling. I, mm-hmm. I remember feelings like Um, rugs being pulled out from underneath you and then you realize there's this kind of hole there and you're just falling and then you think you've landed and then another rug comes out so Mm -hmm. there's this feeling of deep falling so very much like your notion of falling off the wall and then i think it's a little bit like um you know the seven steps kind of uh sort of theory of transformation or whatever like Mm -hmm. that you get to this point where you really feel like you've hit rock bottom the rug the fine the rugs have finally fallen you in this place you've just given up on whatever you were relying on before and i i really think i went through that um several times with a uh, just really desperate times with my wife as she got very sick and just mm. um and just really cognitively so disoriented that my life—it was a little bit like living in an asyl- asylum, where there was no actual present control, and just the the whole physical situation and cognitive—it was completely out of control. And there was times that I remember just going, "I just can't make it one more minute," you know, um, and then realizing, "Okay, a minutes passed. I'm still here." Like I, and it was—it was right around then actually that I discovered. Uh, different practices that I'm deeply grateful for and will be for the rest of my life, like meditation, like um, mm-hmm. from the Buddhist tradition. But I really came into it just from a secular meditation standpoint, not trying mm-hmm. to find some belief system. And um, actually traditional Chinese um, energy practices like Tai Chi and Qigong. Gong. Um, and some of these uh, ways of looking at things helped me profoundly. Um which I think, uh, which I'd be very, very happy to talk about. But before I do, I wanted to touch on one thing that you did raise when you were describing this notion of meaning. Because um, I, I feel it's kind of helpful as, a, as another sort of metaphor, if you will, to yeah. um, look at this thing, is I, I personally, I think of meaning itself, that, that word, <laughs> as being a function of connectedness. Mm-hmm. So to, to your point, things can feel meaningful, um, but then there are sometimes in people's lives when it feels like there's no meaning and that often re- correlates with feeling totally isolated um, yes. Relationships have gone you feel disconnected from the world even disconnected from yourself The more disconnected you are from everything else around in in life The less meaningful it is the more you can say my life feels meaningless Yeah, and when your life feels meaningful it's, the, these, the, it's a function of those connectedness, but one way of thinking about the connectedness is at night, like you lo- look up um, at the stars at night and you see this kind of random dots, you know, basically mm-hmm. all around, but every single human culture from time immemorial has looked at those dots and wanted to impose meaning on them by creating constellations. Yep. So when you look at the stars and you see the constellation, oh, there's Orion, there's a the big dip or whatever, what you're basically doing is you're creating meaning by um, looking at what otherwise might be random dots and making um, connections between them to form a pattern. Yes. And that, And if you think of what a pattern is, it's something that both includes and excludes the pattern includes the dots that you're actually connecting and then you start to exclude the dots that you're not connecting Mm -hmm. by virtue of the way the brain works you look at that pattern so we love that as humans in fact we need that that's what the patterning instinct is and that's why life can feel meaningful Um, because what we do is our culture says here's the pattern here's the constellation take it And it doesn't say it explicitly, it says it implicitly for the most Mm -hmm. part. And as we learn um, as kids to sort of figure out what's going on, we just buy into that pattern. So that's the pattern that is our meaning. And then, you know, part of that, uh, because meaning is a function of connectedness, a meaning gets to be related to who we end up partnering with and our family or whatever, and those of becomes course. part of that meaning. But what, when I was talking about the bell jar uh, smashing, or you were talking about falling off the wall, well, another way of looking at it is, is if those constellations suddenly get lost, and mm-hmm. you're looking at the world again at just these dots of stars, and then there's both it can be both terrifying and it can be an opportunity to reconnect those stars in different ways and actually find a completely different pattern um, yeah and that's yeah. that
1: I mean that's the key is and that's exactly what I was saying is the, is the the willingness to to re-examine meaning and and look for a, another meaning. but I also want to, as I said, I want to have everybody get that you already have meaning. As you said, it's in the connectedness. But it's in the moments where the meaning that you've had is rattled, is maybe potentially even destroyed. What most people are wanting to do is to recreate the old meaning. I know I did when I fell off the mountain. I wanted to recreate the old meaning. When people would say, how are you doing? I'd say, I'm great. I'm coming back. There is no back. So I was trying to recreate meaning in the form that I knew it. And it was only when I surrendered to that, and actually surrender to the um it's interesting because you know you talked about this connectedness. Um, and I know that we, both of us have studied indigenous cultures, and very much a part of the the uh, the transmutation from child to to adult is an isolation process. Very often you are taken away from the family, you're taken away from the tribe. you're put out in nature to be on your own, maybe with a little peyote or whatever it might be but you are there to explore a different meaning and then come back to the tribe with it. Mm-hmm. And, and in those, those, uh, dragon fire moments where we, I fell off a mountain where you lost your wife, um, that is the moment where it's all burned up and you're now outside of the community and you have the opportunity to come back, but it's a heroic journey. You have the chance to come back and abandon what you've learned and integrate into their meaning or to come back with the new meaning and add to the culture. Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting, because I know that a lot of the work you've done is around meaning coming from culture and culture coming from meaning. And I know that that breakdown for me was in that moment of realizing there is no back. I've got to bring this forward. And that's pretty terrifying for a lot of people. Because of that addictive, Mm -hmm. I mean, neurological and biochemical addiction it's not a fantasy it's not a, a word i'm throwing around it's an actual biological right addiction to this is my reality and now oh shit i'm not got any supply <laughs> like my, my dealer has just died mm-hmm. what am i gonna do because mm-hmm. the dealer's is in your own head mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. fascinating that, that, that you you actually get it to this piece which is the the cultural connection and there's another piece in there that I, I, you kind of touched on, which is I want to just talk for a moment about the cultural meaning of grief mm. and the journey into grief, which, you know, I in the modern Western culture, we don't seem to do very well with. Whereas in other, uh, certainly in indigenous cultures, they do very well with, um, and they see it as part of the, the heroic journey. It's part of the transformation. It's part of what takes place. And I think that a lot of time we get stuck with your with the passing of your bride. Do did you allow yourself into what I call the beauty of sadness? Did you allow yourself to go there,
0: or did you fight that? God, thank you so much for asking that question. The answer is actually yes. There was there was a moment <clears throat> that I remember so well. It was one of those formative moments. Um, And it was uh, one of the times towards the end of life, she hadn't passed, but it was, um, but when it was clear, it it was this moment, it was clear to me, there was this point of no return uh, and it was gone, just like you were saying. And I, I was actually, I remember being in the shower, for some reason, I just have this visual memory. And there I was and realizing feeling this incredible grief in me, this incredible sense of loss, this wrenching pain. And then something clicked in me. And this was after some years of meditation, which to me uh, is the absolute sort of um, the gold uh, road, if you will, to Mm. connecting with these things. And I realized this is a moment in my experience as a human being that I may never have again, this sense of this life, yeah, decades of life, loved and caring, gone, and there's this feeling, I, I, you know, I may have other feelings in the future, of course, intense, but this might be the only time in my life where I experience this depth of wrenchingness, so it almost became this aesthetic moment mm. to actually feel into what is it to actually feel like, to feel what I'm feeling right now, and by doing that, it allowed me to totally be with the grief. This wasn't trying to dissociate from the grief or trying to be away from it. It was actually feeling into what it is feel like in my body. What does it feel like in my whole being? And then actually to recognize there's a part of me that even in the middle of that grief, I can actually be grateful. I could be grateful for the fact of my existence as a human being, for the fact that here I am as an entity in this life right now, experiencing something in such an intense way that every part of my being is living it. And that's a unique moment. It is going to pass and I may not even have that again. So really sort of take that. And one of the, um, one of the, sort of mottos, if you will, that I've developed, uh, which actually I've r- kind of come back to in r- recent times, but which really touches into exactly that moment that you asked about. It, it goes simply like this, to um, uh, to welcome each moment as a sacred treasure, mm-hmm. even the difficult ones. And then I, in my motto, it goes like, especially the difficult ones. And mm. um, And then uh, in a way, because they are the gateway, if you will, to enlightenment, because it's really, it's to your point again, of the, the going through the crucible, it's only by really turning, facing into the difficult ones and they can be more, they don't have to be those extreme challenges of oh. like the, your life falling apart. It can be just the difficult feelings inside yourself, moment to moment. Oh, I don't feel good about how I interacted with that person, or oh, I don't like the way I look when I see myself in that way, or just these little things. But mm-hmm. by turning to them and welcoming them, it opens up pathways to a completely different experience of being alive, which I I believe can just lead to that sense of a broader sense of meaning and a more sense of a fulfilled life and um, what uh, is sometimes known as eudaimonia, like a fullness of actually living your existence to the greatest, uh, your full purpose.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, you know, we've talked about, and we'll certainly go a lot more into the cultural meaning that is given to us. By our environment. But meaning really at a subjective level is the contents of the most emotional impact of something in a moment uh, that tells us about our life. And sometimes that's a moment of bliss. That of course we we run towards and we embrace, but we run from the grief, we run from the anger, we run from those um emotional tidal waves that we've ne- that we've labeled negative but they are incredibly powerful and juicy and useful and um and they give us meaning and i think that in a society that is very um much about instant gratification the running away from the 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 quote unquote darker feelings robs us of meaning do you think that that's true, or do you, or am I? Think I think that's
0: completely true, and I yeah. think that um, our our society is really based on, if on, sort of pulling us towards those moments of what is known as hedonia, like hedonic yeah. attractiveness, like um, staying at superficial layers of feeling, and oh, this feels good, and and drawing you away from what's negative, and in a way. <clears throat> um, These I'm using these terms, hedonia and eudaimonia. They they actually come from Aristotle initially. And um, the idea of eudaimonia is living your life, really feeling into the fullest purpose of your life's Mm -hmm. existence. And hedonia, it doesn't quite mean exactly the same as hedonism in our current uh, word, but it's similar to that notion. It's things that make you feel better, and it could be things yes. like just feeling secure or feeling valued by people. It doesn't have to be just you know a sensual feeling, or whatever. But it's it's the stuff that makes you feel good. It uh, makes this little dopamine uh, spark to happen in you, rather than the stuff that is more challenging. But right. it's actually, um, and really, you could see our whole consumer society that has kind of taken over the world and taken over our culture and really literally invades our minds from when we're uh, small infants as being a society based on hedonia because it's hedonia um, that actually leads to people needing to always feel it's not enough, not enough, I need more, which of course leads them to purchase more and leads them to spend their lives as part of the consumer producer consumption machine rather than um, you don't make a lot of profits uh, as a corporation from people who are pursuing um, eudaimonia because <laughs> they're just as happy to be with um, relatively and minimal amounts of possessions or whatever, but they spend their time focusing on things that you can't necessarily make money from, like deep relationships with people, or being in nature, or feeling healthy and good and and, and alive. Without- oh, believe me, they'll find
1: a way to commercialize it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're looking, they're looking. They're already looking. Right.
1: We're already at the end of part one of this episode of Curiosity Bites. And I am here with my amazing guest, Jeremy Lent, who is the author of The Web of Meaning and The The Patterning Instinct. (laughs) And, of course, The Patterning Instinct. This is a fascinating conversation. We're going to dive even deeper into those patterns of meaning uh, and the instinct to form patterns and where we're going with this. Um, I want to hope that, I hope that you'll be staying with us. I, I encourage you to stay curious, my friends. stay curious about the meaning that you're giving in life and whether that meaning is filling you up or whether it's emptying you out. Stay with us. We'll be back in part two with Jeremy Len.